It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. Welcome, guys. Welcome to Money for Lunch. As always, it's good to uh, have you here. Uh, let's see, a uh, quick rundown. Um, if you haven't done so already, if you're interested in crushing your fears, destroying your doubts, and feeling unstoppable, check out my book at dominatingyourmind.com. And uh, you can get it there for free. Uh, just pay a little shipping and handling. Or you can go to amazon.com and you can buy it there. Full retail, I think, is only like 20 bucks plus a little shipping and handling. So either way, whatever is most convenient for you, dominatingyourmind.com. Get it there for free. All right. Um, we are rocking and rolling today. Uh, let's see. We have a quote that was sent in by Tracy R. Tracy, thank you so much for listening, and, tr and thank you so much for sending in this quote uh, from Eleanor Roosevelt. Uh, you gain strength, courage, and confidence by, very, by every experience in which you really stop to look fear in the face. Let me tweak that again. I'll try that again. You gain strength and courage and confidence by every experience in which you really stop to look fear in the face by Eleanor Roosevelt. I love that quote. You gain strength, courage, and confidence by every experience in which you really stop to look fear in the face. What a great quote. Thank you so much for sending that in. All right, let's get the party started. Uh, Alan uh, Guild, Guild is on the show. Uh, Alan is the author of Seven Steps to Confident Writing, as well as the best-selling book, Conquering the College Admission Essay in 10 Steps. He's a writing coach and a communications consultant for higher education, and his writing has appeared in New York Times, The Daily Beast, Next Avenue, and many other publications. He lives in upstate New York. Find out more about him and his work online at conquerthecollegeessay.com. College, conquerthecollegeessay.com. Alan, welcome to the show. Hi, Bert. Thank you for having me on. Good to be here. And you bet. I have and to say uh, Go ahead. that that quote was uh, extremely apt to my book because uh, writing is a lot about confronting your fears. So thank you, Eleanor Roosevelt. Absolutely, yeah. You know what? Uh, anytime you put yourself out there, whether it's writing a book or writing even an article, uh, you know, even expressing an opinion takes a little courage. Absolutely. And one of the things I say in my new book, Seven Steps to Confident Writing, which is a general guide to help people write, is that um, even professional writers, almost, should I say particularly professional writers, experience you know, a, a level of fear when they sit down to a blank page. Everyone does. And you know, one of the uh, things that my book does is you know, go into the psychology of that, why we have that, and what we can do about it. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and so I want to make sure uh, that uh, for those who are going to be following us today, uh, Alan, last name is, is it Gelb? I know you told me right Gelb, before the yes. show started. Okay, and that's, that's G-E-L-B. Right. Yep, so for if you guys want to look up uh, Alan later on. Obviously, I'll put a link in the show notes, uh, Seven Steps to Confident Writing. And this is important because uh, it 
today's world, what I find fascinating is we've become a world of writers now. I mean, whether it's texting or emailing, it just, you know, we're not even talking about, uh, you know, writing a whole essay or, you know, or even a paragraph. We're, we're writing all the time. Right, we are. And, well, email was actually sort of uh, improving or, or sort of, you know, uh, priming the pump for people to write. I mean, people didn't – it was a good habit for people to get into. Unfortunately, texting is kind of counterproductive in that respect. But, yes, yeah. we, are, we, all have to, we all have to write at various points in our lives. And um, one of the sort of uh, central missions of my book is to make – people understand that writing is something that's universal and should be available to them. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I want you to talk about is that uh, seven steps to competent writing, uh, you kind of position this as a book about writing for non-writers. And, and I love that uh, because I think most of us think of ourselves as non-writers. So talk about this a little bit. Yeah. Well, you know, there are many really valuable books on the market that are aimed at people who are interested in the art of writing or let's say they are interested in memoir writing or, you know, they want to write a novel or, or whatever, and they aspire to be published. And that's that's terrific. They should be there. And I applaud them. However, Seven Steps to Confident Writing is not geared to that audience. This book comes out of my very long experience of working one-on-one -on -one with uh, thousands of students really around the world. Uh, I work with them on their college admissions essays. Not for a million dollars like the people you're reading about, but, you know, I, I, do, help, I do help people. I'm not going to prison, so don't worry. But uh, what I, I – and I often work with students who are, you know, much more uh, orient, oriented towards STEM, you know, science, technology, engineering, math – and for them, this assignment of um, writing about themselves is, is a hurdle to get over. And, you know, in doing this work, which I've also done with older writers, because I have a book out there called Having the Last Say, which is about capturing your legacy in one small story, really about doing a life review. And, you know, my experience working with these different sort of uh, uh, constituencies of writers has, has shown me that the issues are similar from one to the other. And it really helps what my book is is all about is is getting the holistic view of writing and seeing you know really the bigger picture of it and understand what's going on so that it doesn't feel like something that you do right or wrong yeah yeah um, yeah that's that's extraordinary i i I like this idea of doing a life review mm -hmm. and I think that that is something that everybody should endeavor to do that should be on your bucket list and yeah. uh it's such a, a neat idea i'm so glad you brought that up because you know a lot of us think that we've led this ordinary life but when you start reviewing your life uh there are maybe some life lessons, some, you know, some extraordinary stories that might stand out. Uh, so I love this idea of doing a life review. Yeah, so these three books that I have, and, you know, an easy way to sort of get an overview of these books is to go to my uh, another website of mine, which is alangelb.com, easy to remember because it's my name, and that sort of lays out the three books that uh, make up this suite of books about writing. 
The first of them was the book that I did on the college admissions essay, Conquering the College Admissions Essay in Ten Steps, which has been you know, very popular since its third edition now. But what those students are doing, those 17-year-olds are being asked to do, is a life review exercise. They have to write about something, almost anything in the world, that will distinguish them from their competitors. I took the idea of doing that exercise, which is a 650-word narrative, and I write a lot about narrative in all of my books, and applying it to people, uh, you know, baby boomers, let's say, who want to leave a keepsake for somebody in their family or maybe have something read at their own memorial service, and they do the same kind of 650-word essay, but it's tied to an ethical value that they've lived by. So they're telling a story about this ethical value. Right. Absolutely. All right. So let's talk about this. Uh, why is it so important uh, to not be overly critical or judgmental in the early stages of writing? Talk about this. Well, you know, many of us grow up with the idea that we don't write well because somebody has told that to us. Some person who should not have told that to us has told it to us. And so we regard writing negatively. It's the same way that people are told, you know, they don't sing well or they don't dance well, they don't play sports well. And these are all activities that, as we now know, should be available to all of us and that we can enjoy. Uh, You know, we don't have to be brilliant at being uh, at, at writing, but we have to be competent at it. And if we are, uh, you know, if we understand a certain set of uh, uh, principles around writing, then we can develop the competency that we were told we don't have, we didn't have when, earlier in our life. Uh, being overly critical of your writing is, is is very much at odds with the goal of enjoying it. And, you know, there will be people who will be critical of you, so you don't have to be critical of yourself. You have to give yourself some room. Yeah, yeah. And and, and I'm, I'm also glad you brought up about these naysayers, right? Oh, you know, or sometimes they're really just negative people. And, and, and what I have found is that sometimes, not always, but sometimes people will say you're not good at something because you're actually pretty good at it. And they're intimidated. And that, again, is a small percentage of very selfish, evil people. And then there are some people who uh, maybe are trying to protect you from the, uh, uh, the stings and arrows, if you will, of being rejected or criticized. And so they don't want you to, you know, they don't want you to, you know, get hurt. Uh, and so sometimes uh, that uh, is why maybe they're trying to, you know, let's say shield you from, from all that. Interestingly enough, I had a great experience. I had a, a, a conversation um, with an author who had written a book and she um, had no intention of uh, – uh, what do you call it, of uh, publishing the book. She had written it because it was a story that was in her head. And, you know, she uh, shared it with her sister. And her sister says, oh, you have to, you, you got to publish this book. It's a great book. And she said, oh, no, uh, nobody's going to want to read it. And, and so her sister was relentless. And finally, after I think two years, got her to send uh, or got permission from her, uh, from Stephanie, who's the author, Stephanie Meyer, um, and they submitted the book to several publishers. It got picked up. It became a New York Times bestselling book, and then it became uh, a, a New York Times bestselling series, and then it became a, a phenomenal 
hit movie or movies called you mean Twilight. Twilight. You, you mean Twilight, is that what we're talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, she and, did and pretty so, well. She she did yeah. good for her sister, you know. <laughs> it's good for her sister. Now, let me tell you, uh, this is not always the case, but it just so happens, uh, like I said, I, I they happen to live uh, very close to me, and uh, we, you know, we, we kind of know some of the same people, and and so one of the things that they were able to do with this book that she thought was no good and, and uh, of little worth is that they were able to uh, buy themselves a private jet. Mm. And that's not too shabby from a, yeah. a, a, a crappy little book, right? And, and so uh, not only should you not be overly critical, uh, you know, sometimes um, – you just never know. I mean, if it's a story that you're passionate about, if it's a, a book that you're passionate about, you never know how that book is going to impact a few people or maybe a few million people. You just never know. But if, I think it's, yeah. if it's in your heart, you just need to write it. Yeah, and that's a great story, but of course it's a one in a billion story. And, yes. and I'm I'm really kind of looking to uh, create something that will empower virtually anyone around writing. Because, you know, getting back to this idea that we're told – uh, we're given a set of rules when we're young, you know. We we, we yeah. can't we can't uh, mix metaphors. We can't uh, end a sentence with a preposition. We can't all this stuff that sort of goes in our heads like a, uh, a you know like a blur. And uh, what my book is really uh, doing is sort of again you know allowing people to see the big picture. So I start out with the idea of. You know, what are the base rules that you're doing when you're writing? And one of the things that I like uh, people to understand is that you're writing to an audience. You know, even if something is never seen, it, uh, it still helps to have the image of, of a reader in mind. And it's very helpful to have the image of a reader in mind when you are writing something that you want to have seen. So in the book I use, for instance, um, a letter of complaint that somebody is writing after a bad motel stay, you know. If you can visualize the person who's reading it, let's say you're imagining this this a woman in an office, you know, uh, and you, you're you're giving her a face and a and a, and a, and a, and a personality or whatever, you can write to that person, and that can help you create a a level of communication that will be effective, other than just being angry and you know making demands and stuff like that. So there's there's that issue of of writing to an audience. Another base rule is, you know, creating a contract with a reader. You know, when you write something, that contract is based on on certain uh, principles that you you will provide clarity, you will be concise, you will your work will be well constructed. You know, you're going to bring a level of commitment to your work. So, you know, there's a lot of sort of big picture items that you want to have in your mind, and that will take you away from from that miasma of rules that you uh, were taught when you were younger. Yeah, you know, I'm so glad you brought that up because uh, I've taken a few copywriting courses. And the first thing, I remember this, the very first time I took a copywriting course, and, and, it, and it comes up almost every copywriting class is that uh, copywriting is about uh, is not about writing. It's not about good writing necessarily. It, it, you know, it breaks all the rules, uh, but it's about uh, evoking emotions and getting mm -hmm. your and getting your reader to act a certain way. And and uh, it's not about uh, again, it's not necessarily uh, what your English teacher would approve of. Mm -hmm. Right. 
Right. So, and and I tell a story in the book. You know, I've I've written novels, I've written plays, I've written uh, nonfiction books and soap operas, and and I've written in many different genres. You know, and uh, one of the things that I did for a long time that I still do occasionally is to write, as you mentioned in your introduction, marketing uh, communications for higher education. So I write either brochures, recruitment materials for people that they pick up when they go to a school, you know, those glossy brochures, or I write uh, development materials when they're asking, you know, alumni for money, you know. And when I do that work, I have to think of who is going to be reading that. Is it going to be some young person or his parent um, worried and fretful in this admissions period, or is it going to be, uh, you know, a 70-year-old uh, alum sitting in a stately library somewhere, you know? And it's very different kinds of writing, but some of the basic um, principles of writing, a lot, most of the basic principles of writing will, will uh, be in both instances in terms of commitment, in terms of clarity, well-construction, that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one of the things that you mentioned um, is that uh, in your book, uh, you mentioned that uh, when we sit down to write, we are entering into a contract with both the reader and with ourselves. And I want you to talk about this because I really enjoyed uh, this this yeah. idea of a contract. Well, I take writing ultra seriously, Bert, you know, uh, and, and I, one of the things that uh, I like to see when I'm working with a 17-year-old, one of my students, is that they, even in the short time that we're together, also are beginning to take writing ultra seriously. So we go through a set of drafts, and I talk about that in my book, what the purposes of these drafts are. We go through a set of drafts on a 650-word essay that could be six, seven, eight drafts, something like that. It's a lot for them. They're not used to that, but um, they're working with an editor rather than a teacher, and we have a you know extraordinary degree of focus on what we do. But the uh, the writing is theirs. They have a sense of ownership around it. But what the, what I want them to understand is that they are making a commitment, and they have to um, they're entering contract with the reader, so they're going to provide the things that I'm talking about: that clarity, conciseness, construction. I actually have six C's that make up this contract, uh, um, courtesy, you know, that you're not going to uh, be shouting at the reader or anything like that, color, you know, you're going to develop some tone in your writing. But you're also making a contract with yourself as a writer, and that piece of it is that you're going to do the work with a, a real sense of rigor. And I, I make the distinction in the book between rigor, which is uh, really applying yourself to a process and rigidity. We don't want our writing to be rigid. That's the way we were, we might have been taught when we were kids, you know, rules, rules, rules. But we right. want it to be rigorous. Yeah, that's that's uh that's interesting. And this uh I think this is the thing that that I find kind of sometimes overwhelming uh, is that when I write something, I can walk, you know, I'm done with it. I feel good. I walk away maybe an hour later, a day later, I come back to it and I'm tweaking it some more and I'm tweaking it some more. And I'm, it's like, you know, the, the tweaking doesn't stop. What is, what's your advice for, you know, I guess, uh, 
coming to an end or leaving it alone or, you know, the endless yeah. tweaking or improvement. Any, any thoughts on that? Uh, deadlines help, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Never. And it's actually funny because some of my some of my students, these seventy year olds, say, you know, at the end of our conversation, say, uh, "Aren't you going to tell me when this is due?" And I, I you often forget to do that because I'm, you know, kind of regarding them as professionals in a sense and don't feel like they should need that. But no, I, I mean, I think anybody can benefit from a from a uh, from a deadline. But you know, the, what you calling tweaking is probably a very good thing you know i mean tweaking and polishing and i mean the the last chapter of my book uh seven steps to confident writing is called uh lapidary work you know doing that fine polishing as jewelers do you know so i'm all for tweaking uh what you, i i don't want people to think that tweaking is the same thing as procrastinating because i have a whole uh, section in my book about procrastination, and that is, you know, a very uh, kind of endemic uh, problem when it comes to writing. We all procrastinate because of that. Going back to Eleanor Roosevelt, because we're, what we're doing is confronting fear. You know, yes. it's, we're afraid to fail. We're not going to be able to bring our uh, writing is all about bringing uh, vision and execution into alignment. You know. Uh, I have an idea in my head of what I want to get out there on paper. The work of getting it on, on paper is really tough, and I can't always make it work. And, and you know, I'm, I'm worried every time I sit down that I'm not going to be able to make it work. And every writer is afraid of that. And often we don't make it work. You know, I've written whole novels that, you know, I had to sort of, uh, you know, Swallow it, you know. I did. It wasn't successful. I mean, there was something right. wrong with the vision, you know. So um, the procrastination is part of writing, but there are there are tactics that you know are suggested in the book that can help you with that. For instance, um, a quota system is great. You know, um, if you want to, even if you're you're writing a novel, you know, if you're writing a hundred thousand word novel, which is you know a reasonable sized novel, a hundred thousand words, uh, if you did, uh, let's say. 250 words a day. Uh, I don't know what the math is, but it's not, you know, your whole life. It's, it's maybe a couple of years, you know. Uh, and certainly if you're writing something, you know, considerably shorter and using the quota system, you see results very quickly. Things pile up and you can say to yourself, you know what, I can do 100 words or I can do 250 words. Uh, I'll squeeze it out no matter what. I won't get up from my desk until I do that. So the quota system is really quite useful. And and it's the way I've worked uh, all my life. Rather than uh, I mean, people, you know, people often ask writers, you know, oh, what's your what's your um, um, how how do you work, you know? Uh, yeah, what's your you secret? Know, they kind of like to hear that you know you're up all night as the romantic writer, you know, and uh, sort of hitting the midnight oil and that sort of thing. But you know, I I like to use a quota system. I have a job, I apportion it for a day and then I get whatever I want done. The other the, the other sort of trick of the mind that helps with procrastination is to uh give yourself rewards for meeting your quota or meeting your deadline and that could be a walk or an ice cream sundae, whatever turns you on. Yeah, you know what uh, and, and I think that uh, this quota system is is great because you can say the example you gave, I'm going to do 100 words or 250 words or 500, whatever it is. I, I, I believe that uh, uh, who's the uh, – oh, 
Stephen King. Stephen King, I think his quote is like 1,500 words a day. And, and again, he's in a different situation. But that was kind of his thing. And no matter what, I'm writing 1,500 words a day. And it's not necessarily about the quality. It's just about getting into the habit of at this time, every day, I'm going to write X amount of words regardless whether it's, you know, good, bad, or ugly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So uh, anyway, so I think that quota system is something that can work for everybody. And real quick, I just want to qu- uh, quote, I want to uh, plug the book. It's seven steps to confident writing available yep. on Amazon, also available at, uh, uh, is, uh, do you like, you, do you want get, people to go yeah, to conquer the, the college essay or do you want people to go to Alan, uh, Gale. Well, let me, let me, let me offer two <laughs> Two plugs for myself, okay? Seven Steps to Confident Writing can be, uh, uh, you can read about it and you can get to where you can order it on alangelb.com, where you can also see my other books. But if you are specifically interested in the college admissions essay or even in, um, you know, getting help with the college admissions essay, go directly to uh, conquerthecollegeessay.com and you'll find me there. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, great. Um, so we were talking about procrastination. I think you gave a great strategy, which is to have a quote system uh, of X amount of words you're going to write every day. Any other suggestions when it comes to procrastination? Um, not to be afraid of it. You know, it happens. As I say, it's just par for the course, you know. So, uh, uh, you know, Every writer that I know also has a set of sort of little nervous activities that they do at the beginning, you know, whether it's, you know, making your coffee or walking around the house 12 times or, you know, sort of uh, uh, washing the walls or whatever you do, you know, all of that stuff is fine. You can do all your little nervous uh, activity and then you and then you can sit down, you know, so give yourself that, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. Uh, and also, you know, it helps to uh, – uh, the procrastination issue is also uh, – it helps to understand that, you know, you're going to go through a set of drafts with whatever you do, you know. So the process of writing, which is really the process of drafting, uh, and you can read about this in Seven Steps to Confident Writing, that, you know, first draft, second drafts, third drafts, they all have a reason for being. They all have a purpose, you know, and, and that you're not just entering into this sort of amorphous – uh, um, thing where you don't know where you are at any time. It can be a structured process. It should be a structured process, and you are the one who's uh, kind of at the helm of that. Yeah, and, and you correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, it, it, you know, when, when you're doing drafts, you're not necessarily, uh, you know, maybe the goal, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, is not necessarily to just rewrite the entire manuscript, and, but Maybe it's to polish it up, you know, maybe you go through it and you're going to get all the, uh, you know, maybe tighten up some of yeah. the sentences, uh, you know, maybe. Yeah, you're definitely, uh, yeah, you're yeah. definitely not going to rewrite everything from one draft to another. You're going to work maybe on structure in the first couple of drafts, you know, moving things around. Second or third draft, you might focus on tone. Are you too formal? Are you too informal? Then you get into um uh, polishing, you know, uh, word choice and things like that. But um, you know, you know, the the title Seven Steps, uh, uh, Seven Steps to Confident Writing, um, you know, is is really because I've been able to see, you know, even in a sh- the short amount of time that I work with 
these 17 year old students that people can really learn a lot just in a couple of weeks, you know, just sort of easy things like, you know, starting a sentence with a subject and a verb, uh, with those two things are at the beginning of a sentence so that you don't get lost, you know, or, or avoiding adverbs and adjectives where they're not necessary, just sort of, you know, useful tips, which the book is full of, that will help your writing, you know, right from the get-go. And, and, and that's, that's reassuring to people also. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, one of the things I do want to talk about, because I thought this was kind of interesting, in the book, Seven Steps to Confident Writing, uh, you talk about um, not all projects call for storytelling, but you suggest bringing storytelling, that storytelling element in any way, why, or, or uh, you know, well, uh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, about thanks for bringing that up. Really interesting. Yeah. So I wanted people to be aware that storytelling or another word I use for the narrative is is a tool that they can use even when they don't think they're telling a story. Uh, I, I lay out in, in all of these three books, I lay out what the elements of a narrative are. I sort of dissect a narrative. Uh, and uh, when you have an understanding of how a narrative works, then you can say, you know, um, for instance, a letter to the editor. You know, uh, uh, you're writing about a, a political meeting you've gone to, let's say. Uh, instead of just sort of saying, I went to a political meeting the other day, you know, you can start out with a bit of narrative, sort of creating the setting, you know, being in the room. And that creates a much more powerful experience for the reader. So uh, it, it was important for me to un bring that element to the, into the book so that people are understanding that it is a, a tool that can be at their disposal. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, like I said, that was one of my favorite aha moments because, uh, you know, storytelling is such a funnel fundamental tool that we use every day in communicating. Everything we do is some variation of a story that we're telling. That's right. We're surrounded by it. Jokes, video yeah. games, plays, TV, you know, uh, stories that we're telling each other. It's all, all around us. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so I like this idea of even when a story is not necessarily uh, – required an element of that should be used. And I thought, man, I'm thinking like technical manuals. Wouldn't technical manuals be that much better when there's a story, a little bit of that element around? And um, for any of you guys uh, who have ever read like a, uh, uh, a 10K, so a 10K is a, it's an annual report put out by a publicly traded companies. And, and most of these things are horrifically boring. They're just very technical, uh, you know, and it's just dry and, you know, and you have to like drink, you know, like four or five cups of coffee just to get through it because it's so bad. However, Warren Buffett does his completely different. He adds a little bit of a story to all his 10Ks and he, he, he usually starts off by saying, hey, we had another great year. I don't, you know, I think this was a fluke. I don't think that we'll be able to maintain this, this constant growth. And, and, he, and he, he does a little, he spins a little bit of a yarn or a little bit of a story as he goes over the numbers. And right. he talks about why this number is this way and why this number is that way. And I thought, man, 
Yeah. Well, it's funny, actually, because, you know, my writing, my books are actually, in a way, sort of technical manuals in the sense that they are teaching people how to do something. But many readers have told me that they really, really kind of like them, particularly because they they have a, a storytelling tone. You know, they tell, yes. they bring you into the, into the uh, uh, warmth of what we're doing, you know. And I, right. I, I'm glad I was able to do that. Well, and, and what happens, and I think this is kind of, you know, uh, what uh, we're talking about, is having that little bit of a personality to it, that little thing that lets people know a little bit about Alan, and, and even though it's a technical manual or a 10K, it lets the reader kind of get to know you a little bit through your writing. Absolutely, because, you know, at its core, writing is communication, writing is expression, writing is connection. When we, uh, when we engage in the act of writing, we're trying to do all those things with our readers. We're trying to communicate, express, and connect. And if we haven't done that, you know, if our reader looks blank after reading something you've written, then, you know, you haven't connected, and you have to go back to work on the piece and figure out what went wrong, you know? Absolutely. I think somebody... Uh, in fact, it was a, another copywriting class. They said, hey, when, you, when you've done your copywriting, give it to a, I, I believe they said a seven-year-old child, and, and see if they understand what's going on. And if a seven-year-old child understands what's going on, then most likely so will everybody else. Uh, because it has to be that simple or that clear, unless it is, again, a, some kind of technical manual uh, or, you know, some kind of uh, – you know, well, I hey, know. we, you know what, uh, Bert? We all feel like seven-year-olds when we're following those <laughs> IKEA instructions, you know, and uh, <laughs> trying to figure out what goes where. So that's not a bad rule. I like that. Oh, anyway, listen, we're out of time. I want to say thank you so much for stopping by and uh, sharing um, your uh, your strategies with us again. For you guys who are non-writers who want to step up your writing confidence, check out Seven Steps to Confident Writing. I'm going to put a link in the show notes. And, uh, and Alan, thank you so much for stopping by today. Thank you, Bird. It's been uh, fun. Take care. All right. You, good Bye. stuff there from Alan Gelb. Uh, and you can find out more about Alan at A-L-A-N-G-E-L-B.com, A-L-A-N-G-E-L-B.com. Or specifically for you guys who are trying to conquer the college essay, Go to conquerthecollegeessay.com and, uh, and, and, you know, crush that college essay. Uh, as always, my friends, let's share this show with everyone you know. Let's help as many people as we can become confident writers and, and uh, get over procrastination and get over the fear of writing because we really do do a lot of writing. As always, my friends, remember you were created to succeed. Tune in Monday through Friday here on Money for Lunch. And check out our website at moneyforlunch.com.